Welcome to Accounting High. I have to start with some of my philosophy and beliefs of what the industry is doing poorly. They're copying the big four. The big four is not just an accounting firm. They're giant conglomerates, international. It's insane for us small accounting firm owners to think we should do things the way that they do things. Uh, and by the way, the way they do things is they bring people in, they squeeze every ounce of desire out of the person to do accounting, and then they jump ship and go to the go some private company. Classes in session, it's time for shopperations at accounting. Hi, classes in session, it's time for shopperations at accounting. Hi, classes in session, it's time for shopperations at accounting. Hi, classes in session, it's time for shopperations at accounting. Hi, kids, do you like operations? It's Wednesday, accounting high, talking systems and processes, talking shop about operational balance. Accounting, workbench to workflow challenges Hybrid teams for Pete's sake I'm trying to manage through screens But I can't figure out which Zoom window's my next meeting And Dr. K says Acuity uses EOS Uh-huh Entrepreneurial operating system Well, since 2012, my firm's been in the cloud Join us as we go deep I'll try not to run it to the ground We're sharing profit and loss And managing back office Attack staff just quit Tried to hire on LinkedIn No luck and scope creep team count cast automate tax compliance transactions id and bottlenecks come on ops scotty wait a minute it's my firm dog i know and i said you could run it however you want hi classes in session it's time for shopperations at accounting hi classes in session it's time for shopperations at accounting hi classes in session it's time for shopperations at accounting hi classes in Session, it's time for shopperations at accounting high. Introducing the star of our show, Scott Scarano, Jason Ackerman. We're going to have a problem here. And our special Man, guest, John, John Briggs, a name I can say. John, welcome to the Sons of CPAs. Yeah, thanks, guys. So I, I met with John earlier this year or last year yeah this year learned a little bit more about what he's got going on and i was excited to have him on it's innovative so tell us the name of your firm and tell us the size of your firm how many people you have and how much money do you make <laughs> so start right. right there great yeah, so the name of our firm is insight tax and that's spelled like the insight to cause to action usually used in the form of someone incited a riot uh, so it's an aggressive word because we feel like we need to be a little bit more aggressive. From our standpoint, too many accountants seem like they end up working for the government instead of the clients. We think That's the government's so funny you say that because I've been reviewing a lot of tax returns, and I feel like our team is too conservative with what they're doing. Interesting. Um, anyway, so that's where the insight comes from. Insight tax. Uh, we are currently 33 people located in Salt Lake City. Um, and so you want revenue size for the firm? Is that? Sure. Yeah. So we'll do um, a little more than $5 million in revenue this year. Okay. That's and good. What's your margins? Well, if you take out my owner's pay to show true margins. And you, sure. are you the 100% owner? 100% owner. Oh, I love it. Uh, Dictatorship, about, baby. About 22% margins when you take cool. out my pay. Okay. and of the other benefits that you can take with the tax code. <laughs> All right. All right. This is a great start. How many cars do you own in the business? Cars? Uh, just the one. I Just my one car. How aggressive are you with your personal Yeah, taxes? so I'm... <laughs> uh, I'm aggressive. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. About as aggressive as, as the next tax preparer. But I don't know. I'm the... probably more aggressive, I think, than most accountants we come across. But... At the end of the day, we still, if we get audited ourselves, have to be able to defend the positions we take. So give me some examples of where you think accountants in general are too conservative. I mean, have you guys heard of the Augusta rule? It's the master's week, baby, of course. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah, so that whole rule that I believe the tax code's like 280A G2 or something. Um, but I'm shocked at how many of our clients, when we explain it to them or they read our blog and they take it to their current accountant, this is before they come over, their account's like, oh, you can't do this. Uh, this is, they, they get it confused with like renting your home office, which is not the same tax rule. Anyways, that's one area. It's like, it's clearly in the code. I personally have been through an audit with a client who used the strategy and we passed. So you're talking about you rent your own home to your business for to 14 business. days. Yep. And you don't have to pay tax on it because it's running for less than 14 less than days. 14 days, exactly. You'd be shocked at how many CPAs don't. They look at that rule and they're like, no, you can't do that. Like, I mean, it's, it's I feel it's like it's pretty clear in the code. Well, maybe they think because they have never done it, they're trying to justify them not doing it or using it with clients. So then they say, well, we have never done it for you because you can't. You know, if a right. client brings it up to them and then says now they, they want dumb. to do this. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, and I guess I've well, I think it's more you just don't trust your clients to document it right. <laughs> or to say that, uh, you know, they're renting their own house. Like, how do you figure out the fair market value for rent and do it properly? Yeah. But maybe I mean, you said that's a place where we should be more aggressive. The definite areas to be aggressive. You can get comparable quotes to justify whatever amount uh, you are actually claiming. Um, not, that's not saying you can't make up an amount and find something that justifies it. What I'm saying is you can find a viable market equivalent and use that number. Well, yeah, you just go look up Airbnbs now in your local area. That probably gives you a decent market. Rate. It gives you a great decent. So, what do you make idea. them document? Like the reason for business, so they are running it to themselves. Yeah, they they need to have meeting minutes for their monthly meeting. So we suggest it's the purpose is to have your monthly board meeting at your house, and then so you would need meeting minutes to show what was discussed in that meeting. Ah, I like this. I, I like where you're going here. Do you have Scott's any about to ha- Scott's about to have some meeting minutes today. <laughs> I've already had plenty of meetings at, at my home, and I've never done that on my return, to be honest. So I'm going to do that for my return. It hasn't been filed yet this year. I'm gonna nice. Have some, reclassify some meetings. You, <laughs> uh, you shouldn't have said that on a recorded line, but that's fine. Sorry. <laughs> right. Well, the, the, the IRS doesn't look at things to uh, to improve themselves, so I somehow don't feel like. They're listening to podcasts, any podcasts. Uh, well, my uncle works for the IRS and he listens to this podcast, but that's just because he's my uncle. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're meeting with a new client, like, so you tell them the adjuster rule, what, what else do you, what else do you yeah. say? So that, in, uh, in general, the idea we use is like, look, the tax code talks about necessary, ordinary, helpful, appropriate, right? Those words of what can you write off as a business, but those don't actually mean anything to the average person, like our average client. Helpful, all of it's helpful and appropriate. I mean, I had a guy try to write off a hundred thousand dollar belt buckle. We're not that aggressive. Like that, probably more of a collective a hundred thousand dollar belt buckle. I wish I was exaggerating about that, but he was serious because he's like, well, this was totally appropriate and helpful for me to get on stage and show people how much money I make, so that they join. You know, this guy was like a big network marketing guy had a huge downline. Well, we just explained to them, like, look, at the end of the day, the way to think about it is if you can relate it to your business and you can have that conversation with an IRS auditor of how it helped your business in any form, shape or fashion, then that is a tax deduction. You just have to document it, especially the ones that look a little bit more crazy. Um, And then our job is to then when we look at them and they have questions to find some of them that specifically have exclusions in the tax code. But other than that, I want them coming from the angle of everything that I'm doing is possibly a write-off versus the other way of what are the few things that I'm doing that I can expense. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you take an all for nothing approach or let's, let's try to get it all on there. Um, what about those business owners that just commingle absolutely everything and say, this was all business. What's your standard boilerplate response for that? Uh, Our standard boilerplate is, well, if you're audited, client, you are going to pay a lot in extra taxes, and then you'll have penalties on top of it. So let's change some of your behaviors. Let's use a personal card for your personal expenses. Let's get a card designated for your business expenses. 
and let's stop commingling. Plus, when you commingle, it's a lot harder for you to argue the aggressive deductions you want to take because the IRS is just going to say, you took everything. And so you're coming already in with from a bad foot, like an argument standpoint. Let's, let's give us strong footing when we go and like, here's the personal card. They didn't write any of that off. Here's the business stuff. This is what they wrote off to clearly show that you are thinking about it. We've had, we've had to have the commingle conversation mm -hmm. for sure. So you got a lot of varying shades of gray in your office. Ackerman said, uh, he said he liked the Zen of your office. I don't see any blacks in there. I see a lot of different shades of gray. <laughs> And I'm wondering, even your hair, like, I'm wondering yeah, if that's you. intentional. If the, uh, if the gray, like you, you're playing in the gray areas of the tax code, that's you know, there, there's, it's, it, there's a lot of black and whites, but you're, you've definitely got a lot of grays in there. Yeah, definitely not intentional. And, and that's more of a blue um, in the back. I just, with the glare, I have my blinds closed a little bit. So blues and grays. So you didn't purposely dye your hair gray to be in the not, gray for the tax code. I wish I could say that. No, this is all natural. <laughs> You got 50 shades of gray there. Even that painting is, is very gray. So. Yeah, that's true. So it's inciting a so, riot. But it sounds, so your firm is, you're tax focused and you're focused on doing, you know, helping people save money by tax planning, right? Which is a big thing. So many firms are going away from taxes and trying to do more bookkeeping. They don't want to do individual tax returns. I guess you seem to be going the opposite way. Well, I mean, th that's a great observation. Uh, opposite way, I don't know if I'd say opposite way. I'm certainly aware of the AI that exists that could make it where personal tax prep is a thing of the past, where even the turbo taxes of the world might be out of business because, or, from, or maybe they make the next competitor evolution of the AI pulling stuff. We certainly prefer not to do just individual returns. Our focus is on the business owner. We do have a growing bookkeeping side. I mean, I would say revenue-wise, about 65% of our revenue is tax-focused, um, but then the other 35% is a mix of bookkeeping revenue and then some cash flow consulting stuff that we do. And I, I get the reason. I think the reason most people go that direction is because of the turbo taxes and H&R blocks and Jackson Hewitt's of the world, there's an element of people feeling like tax prep is a commodity and there's not a lot of value there. And I'm happy to, my opinion is if they're just a W2 itemized deductions, maybe even some stock transactions, that is a commodity service. I mean, you could pay a professional to do all the work for you and the value you get is it saves you the client saves their weekend and we have clients like, great, you want to pay us for our time to do that work. That's fine. But know that if you did this yourself in TurboTax, it's pretty much going to be the exact same answer because those specific things you have in your life, there's, it's black, it's clearly black and white the way those are taxed. But when you get into the business return, now you have some room, like you're juggling a couple different balls, right? And so is it better to take this specific expense as a business expense, or is it better to take it as an itemized deduction or just the different ways you can play with some of the numbers that are going on in their personal life. And you, you do the personal return to see the actual outcome of the decisions you made on the business return. Because for us personally, I mean, we might have 30 C-Corp returns. The majority of our business clients, more than a thousand, uh, they're flow through entities. And so everything that all our strategies come to fruition on the personal return. So we see it that way. But people are professionals, so CPAs, it's higher margin to do the other services, right? If I could get in their bookkeeping and some cash flow consulting or business advising, whatever form they want to call it, outsource CFO services. I mean, honestly, people, they're Is all- Is it higher margin though? It should be. Clients are, we found more clients are willing to pay more for that than- just so you think clients return. are willing to pay more for the bookkeeping than for the tax work? For the advising well, from like the outflow of the bookkeeping. Uh, for I the think CFO work. For the CFO work, yeah. The bookkeeping itself is still in that realm of I'm more interested to hear commoditized. your interpretation of all this because you were going into that. You were saying, you know, the outsourced CFO and what everybody calls it. 
honestly, what is your interpretation of that? Yeah, How I, would you guys handle it? We, we just come up with fancy names, and I think all of us are effectively doing the same thing. We're looking at the business financial numbers, and we're giving them advice on how they can become more profitable. The term CFO has become such a generic phrase. As CPAs, we need to be careful about just using that phrase because our clients don't understand it. Because you might be saying CFO work, and you're thinking, I'm going to help you reduce your expenses. And they're thinking, you're going to help me get a loan. So we really need to be careful, I think, if we're serving clients in that role to be really clear what exactly were the services that we're asking for or that they're expecting us to give. Because we have clients that have been frustrated with us when it's like, yeah, I want you to do my bookkeeping. And then three months in, they're like, I don't understand. You're not giving me any advice or anything. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Did you miss that part where we said that was a different service? Like bookkeeping, yes. Add-on, we sit down for in-depth meetings and we do some analyzing expense work for you. Like, you know, um, so a lot of it comes down to managing expectations with them as well. Yeah, managing the service line and, and their their interpretation of it. So, so you said you do a thousand business returns. Thousand plus, yeah. That's escorts partnerships. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a lot for 33 people. So I guess how many, roughly on average, how how many tax returns is a individual CPA at your firm doing? We want them to be able to do at least 300. 300 we a have, year. Yeah. We have some that are closer to 600. We have others that are still learning. People do 600 returns. Uh-huh. And what's the average cost of those returns? Um, so business returns around 850. Uh, personal returns around 600. Those like those starting You're doing a partnership return for 850? Uh, yeah, those are our starting prices. Oh, man. Wow. That's yeah. really low. That's volume game too. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot of so. So we played the opposite game of that. We've increased our prices so much that we're not doing that many, but the total top line is roughly the same as what we were doing. When we were doing three times. Yeah, doing. and when we get new CPAs uh, in joining our company, our returns are pretty darn simple. We're we're working like we kind of are focusing on small business owners who don't have a lot going on, service based usually, so they're not like crazy amount of inventory or assets or things like that. So a return could take us 20 minutes. So for the $850 return, what is the client providing you? And what are you like, I'm guessing you're not doing any write-up work. They're providing you the trial balance and you just- are Yeah, yeah. so for 850, we get the P&L. I mean, if, if we're doing the trial balance stuff and bookkeeping, then you know we're, we're charging for the bookkeeping work. Do you have fixed pricing? We try to do fixed pricing whenever possible. Mm-hmm. Do you price everything up front typically for these yes. returns? Okay. How do you like every year look at all those returns and figure out which ones need to go up do you, or down? Or how do you how do you make sure the pricing's right on all of them? So our professionals who sign the tax returns, like it's their client base that they're managing. And so we'll sit down with them and give them some guidance to look at. We do have in our CRM software where we track the clients and projects, we have what we call the PETA box, um, pain in the And so through the course of the year or interactions with them, you know, they're encouraged to put little marks in the box so that when it comes time to evaluating who's getting a price increase email, we prefer to fire, fire clients that way. Very rarely have we sent out emails just straight up saying, we are no longer going to do your tax work or provide services to you. Most of the time it's in the form of, hey, things have changed around here. Your new price is $5,000. That's called a passive price increase or a passive firing of client. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just trying to understand because it seems like you're really focused on providing advice to clients, but it seems like the pricing of the tax returns doesn't reflect that well isn't that the add-on service you compartmentalized the return so the return itself is so so you're just is the commodity almost like it's a service that you're doing that you just said like TurboTax basically can do this after we've given you all the inputs and we've analyzed everything outside of that we're not bundling our extra white glove service with our returns we're pricing the return itself as its own line i like i kind of like this this so okay so how do you do that 
Yeah, so usually those clients, we have them sign a monthly agreement. And it's like if we're doing bookkeeping work and tax work, on the low end, they're probably 700 bucks a month. Um, and that would include their ability to email us questions throughout the year and um, a year in planning meeting. And then, of course, the monthly books with a monthly report from us. Uh, and then from there, if they want meetings, then it's more than 700. And if they their text returns are more complicated, it's more than that. If they want more meetings, just in general. Uh, so we kind of look at it that way. Well, well okay. I guess how many of your clients are like that versus how many of them are just straight up tax returns? You don't. Yeah. So advice. right now we're averaging about 250 grand a month in the clients who pay monthly. So I don't know what that works out to be. If it's 700. That's 3 million a year. So it's more than 50% of our revenue sign up for the proactive services. And these are mostly the pass through business owners. Yeah. Yeah. That are mm -hmm. doing that. Do you bundle their returns in with that monthly or are you invoicing we separately? We do. Uh, usually cool. we bundle it in and depending on how many they have, then the price is different. I mean, I had a client last year who has a ton of entities and he's very involved. And so, you know, he's paying $7,000 a month. Okay. Yeah. And that's, that's interesting too, because we just recently moved to that model in the last couple of years where, and our services are similar to yours where everything's pretty much just bundled in, but we don't really, it's a lot of blurred lines between what they're actually paying for. Like we internally have our own prices, but if we're pricing something at like 950 a month, that's basically here, we're gonna do all of this for you. So it sounds like you, are you taking them in on a lower, like we're gonna do your taxes this year and then eventually phase them up to a monthly agreement or? No, we found it's these? easier just, let's bring them on as monthly. And we have a full-time sales guy as part of our team, that 33, one of them is just, he does sales. And when I say sales, he closes the leads that we naturally get. It's one of the best gigs. I'm I'm wondering actually sometimes if maybe if he and I want to switch positions. My headache. My well, tell job. us about just your has role. I have more questions on this. This is very fascinating. Okay, but so, so let me just finish that with, uh, yeah. thought though. So about ninety percent of the clients outside of February and March have been brought on on a monthly engagement. <laughs> We just naturally during tax season get an increase in people who are just looking to get their tax work done. And so that percentage, we've definitely added a lot more we you know, clients that we invoice when we do the actual work versus those who pay for a monthly amount and have the services included what they pay. So the the one off clients that you do. How, is your ultimate goal to get rid of them and just do the monthlies? Or, because it seems like you're kind of in between two worlds here, where you're doing all these one-offs that's taking up a lot of your time, but you're more profitable on these monthly clients. Um, well, honestly, I, I feel like our profitability is pretty high on these one-off uh, clients. I mean, like I said, like I could do a business return and personal return uh, in probably about 25 minutes. It probably took my admin team another 20 minutes to actually get the information and took my data prep person. Well, in fact, he'd be, it probably took him 20 minutes and it takes me five minutes to review it. So, you know, 800 bucks for 45 minutes to an hour worth of work. And if I have the personal return in there, you know, it's, you know, $1,600 for an hour worth of work. That's actually really good margin because again, well, our returns are simple. Well, this yeah, it just seems condensed. like you're doing like, it seems like there's going to be burnout if people are doing 600 tax returns. This is coming from someone who does uh -huh. a lot of tax returns myself. Like I worry about that for myself. Yeah, well, burnout's more of a control of overall work hours spent, not the volume. Um, and it's my job as the leader to make sure we have enough capacity to do the returns that we bring on. So, I mean, because now you're getting into employee benefit and structure. And, you know, Scott and I had an amazing conversation when we first met each other about kind of this idea, but my hope and belief, my utopian idea is that I'm going to have a firm where even during tax season, people are only averaging 45 hours of work a week during the tax season period. And outside of tax season, they'll probably be, you know, just the normal 40 hours. And we're not quite there yet, but we don't have anyone working more than 55 hours a week. Um, 
except for a handful. And we're still working with them on their efficiency to get it down. We, I just, in order for us, I think to save the industry, we have to be aware as firm owners, the burden we're putting on our team. So it is a lot of work and volume that we need to do, but we're really efficient at it. And, you know, we just let them know and we communicate with the clients, you know, if we're not getting your return done by the deadline, one, they had, well, they had a ton of advance notice of when they needed to get us the information for us to guarantee it getting done. And once they're past that point, then it's like, yeah, you know, we, we will get to it. We'll get to it as soon as we can. You're not going to wait a month, but, uh, you know, we, we got to protect the team because ultimately they are the ones driving the revenue and doing most of this work. So how are yeah. you monitoring your your team? Uh, I guess everyone's keeping a timesheet for how yeah. often they're working. Uh-huh. They clock in, they clock out, and then our staff ones actually clock in on each client because then once a year we do an analysis to see, you know, if we charge the client 850 for a business return, but the hours spent on it were really high, then we know we need to go to the client mm-hmm. and say, hey, we're raising your price next year so that we can maintain our profitability. And the business return, so you're not doing a balance sheet on these 850 returns. You're just doing an uh, income statement. Well, I mean, they give us a balance sheet. We put it on the tax return if that's what you're so asking. So you are doing a balance sheet. I yeah, didn't know but, if you were doing a balance sheet But for the that. balance sheets are so simple. I mean, we're talking cash, a credit card, maybe some yeah. loans. I mean, there's nothing, like our clients, There's you'd look at them and be like, oh, I can see what you're saying. You'd probably be able to do one in 10 minutes. Yeah, we, we, we used to do a lot of those returns, like people that don't have anything, people that manage a convenience store that don't even have any assets. They're just, you know, they just yeah. have their ba- bank account, mm-hmm. basically. Exactly. You know, nothing, no no fixed assets. No, we do a lot of those returns. Well, I think there's a lot of people out there that are like John's firm that do the really, con- like a lot of returns at one time, learning like how <laughs> you become efficient with it. So what, I guess, some are, what are some of the secrets to your efficiency? Well, the first one is to identify what is the skill set that your most expensive people have and what is that job task they should be doing because they're the most expensive person. So in our case, the CPAs and the tax professionals who are working towards their CPA, their skill set of actually knowing the tax stuff, they're the most expensive. So we want them spending as much time as possible just doing the tax work. That means... Gathering source docs information, even inputting the stuff initially, I can use a lower level, new entry level, staff one to do a lot of the data prep so that by the time they get to the expensive team member who has most of the knowledge and the relationship with the client, they can finalize and fix it and button up the tax turn really nicely in a very efficient way. The staff ones are less expensive, so let's have them do the data prep. And then we have the admins who are the least expensive spending their time emailing clients. We still need this document. Hey, you sent us this stuff. Last year you sent us this, this stuff as well. We're still missing this. And so that's one of the ways we can maintain a good margin by identifying the tasks that are the most time consuming for the person that's the least expensive. So and how do and you don't get me wrong. The work, yeah, so uh, the workflow okay. of all of this, how is everybody connected? Are they all in an office? Are they, are you using workflow management? What are you? Yeah, so we um, have we use a a software called Insightly, not connected to Insight. It's <laughs> I con- was gonna that oh, yeah. was, you walked into that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. not inciting a riot. Not inciting, inciting riot. Insights. Separate company. I have nothing to do with it. They develop their own <laughs> software. It's just super random that that's the name of the software we use. It is not a software that was designated or designed specifically for accounting firms. Um, we have we currently are dabbling a little bit with Canopy, which I think is a little bit more popular software for tax firms. They happen to have their headquarters. Yeah, they're in Utah. 20 minutes south of where our office is, and they've come in. <laughs> it's funny. They came in and brought like 11 team members to look at our processes and everything. Effectively, <laughs> not intentionally, but basically trying to steal our IP so they could improve their software. And they we brought them in because we wanted to show them because we were planning to use it. And I would love your software to do to match all the stuff that we do. And then 
you know, they're like, hey, can you send us all these other documents that you have? I'm like, uh, <laughs> I can, but I know that if we add my process to your software, your the value of your company is going to skyrocket. So if you want to do this, I'm going to need a massive consulting agreement with you. And it's not going to be cheap because I know how much value this would bring. But anyway, so we've dabbled with Canopy. We currently use Insightly. We found it. We've just customized it enough that it works really well for us. All of our team has access to Insightly. And it all starts when you bring in the new client, you've got to set up your system the right way when they come in. And by doing it that by doing it the right way, now our system automatically tells us when work needs to be done for that client. So we don't drop the balls on anything and we can see what the status is at any given time. So at the beginning of the year, all the projects are created in our Insightly software. So we know these are all the tax trends that need to be worked on. And each position and responsibility, they all know where their responsibility lies in the process. So the admins start with the gather source docs. So at the beginning of the year, they're very busy. They're emailing clients. They're sending out lists of this is what you gave us last year. This is what we need. Reminders. They're getting the documents. They're putting it into a PDF, one PDF. Heaven, I know you guys have seen this when the client sends us like 50 different one pages of all our documents and there's 50 PDFs. So it's the admin's job to consolidate those into one file so that then it passes. they got thumbs or fingers in each one of those too because they're taking it, <laughs> they're taking the pictures with their phones. <laughs> yeah. And so then, then once they have the documents, they pass it on to the tax professional or our entry level person. They do the data entry. It gets reviewed because uh, we're obviously trying to grow the entry-level people and improve their knowledge. So there's a lot of hand-holding and oversight on that. It gets reviewed by a tax manager. Then the person who's going to sign the return is the one who gets it last. And then they sign off on the return and make whatever changes they want. We email the client. And so every step of the way, we're tracking where the tax return process is for the client and what we need from them to move it to the next step. So you're just... E- are you using a special software to email them or keep track of what you're missing or it's just all all, all insightly. So there is there like a list like a client has these 7k1s and w2 and blah 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 send us that or the admins just emailing it to them. Uh, a list. We have used a list in the past. Half of the team still uses it, the other half doesn't and I think the other half that didn't wants to reutilize the list where they update it every year with like, this is what they sent us so that next year when they get into it, it's already marked. That's definitely an area of efficiency that's on our list to improve over the next year. What's the TAT software you use? Uh, we use Lacert. Have you looked at Intuit TATs online? Um, no, is that Lacert online? Basically, yeah. We have enough, just so you know, we have enough volume that I pay a flat amount every year for basically unlimited use. No, I know, but what I'm saying is uh, Intuit, like, you know, Intuit bought Lacert, and they basically have built a cloud-based version of Lacert. And I'm interested in it because it's the only cloud, like, 100% cloud product. So I'm always interested when Lacert people, we use at CCH, and it would be a pain oh. in the ass to switch to Intuit. But yeah. for you, it would, wouldn't be that complicated. We it, That's also on our list. We've moved up half of our stuff to cloud-based, currently in the process of switching IT companies to figure out how to move the other stuff. But no, we we definitely want to move more cloud-based because most of our recent hires have been remote team members. What's the makeup of remote versus in office? So we have 33 total and um, there's seven who are remote. Okay. Can you, is it okay if we go into the structure of the firm too? Sure. I want to talk about, I want to talk about the, licensees is that is uh-huh. that what yeah, um, what yeah. so that and then also just how you have your management team structured too yeah um so <clears throat> the i guess first to explain this I, I have to start with some of my philosophy and beliefs of what the industry is doing poorly one is they're copying the big four which people i mean i don't know if anyone's ever looked into it the big four is not just an accounting firm at this point, they're giant conglomerates, international, 
it's insane for us small accounting firm owners to think we should do things the way that they do things. Uh, and by the way, the way they do things is they bring people in, they squeeze every ounce of desire uh, out of the person to do accounting, and then they jump ship and go to the go some private company. Now they're working on one company. Um, uh, this is a problem. We're already seeing this where we have a bunch of accountants wanting to retire, and the decline in accounting programs across the country is down. So we're going to have a massive supply problem, and we're going to end up having to raise our prices, like supply demand theory demands or whatever. And now small businesses who are the backbone of our economy aren't even going to be able to afford our services. So they're going to have to go to some other option that isn't as qualified. And who knows what that's going to lead to. So I did not want to follow that model. I think one of the reasons that there's such a burnout is because there's no true career path for the accountant in the big four or the firms that copy them. Oh, I'm going to make partners someday. Yeah, if you look at the data, that's 10 to 14 years of working 60 to 80 hours a week. And oh, surprise, when you make partner, you're still going to work 60 to 80 hours a week. Um, so there's, it's a very unique individual who's actually going to stick it out and enjoy that type of workflow. And we're ignoring you know, the other 95% of the world. So what we do, instead of bringing on partners, I, create, I created this licensee model where once they are qualified enough, they have enough experience, we trust them that they're going to do a good job meeting with the clients. We create a separate entity and we actually become partners in their book of business. So I am a partner in their book of business, but they're not a partner in insight tax as a whole. This gives them ownership over their client base, which other firms, if you're just a W-2 employee, there's, you're not going to have that level of ownership from that accountant as I do with this, with my licensee model, because these guys now, they know like, as I build this, it's an asset they can sell when they want to retire. If they want to give themselves a pay raise, they can choose to raise their prices or they just bring on more clients or, you know, you know, maybe they outsource some of the work to our firm. But in way, at the end of the day, the licensees get paid a percentage of their collections and it goes up. But, you know, once they're billing more than uh, $450,000 ish, I can't remember the exact number because I just changed it. They get 90% of the collections. It starts at around 50% goes up to 90%. So like I have a couple team members in this scenario. The one, she is pregnant with her second child. She had her first child with us. She makes 300 plus grand a year. That's her take home. And she probably averages during tax season, 45 hours a week. And outside of tax season, I'm willing to bet it's 30. Uh, I, I can't think of a single weekend that she's not going out glamping with her husband and family outside of tax season. And she is here long-term. She's making way more money than she would anywhere else. 300 grand plus is actually higher than the national average for partner pay um, with accounting firms. And she's got a great life, which means those clients that are getting served by her are going to continue to be able to be served by her because she has no desire to go anywhere else because she has a great balance in her life. I try to stay away from the work-life balance thing because it's, it's not – it's not a 50-50 thing, and I think we use the word balance uh, incorrectly there. But she has a great makeup of how much time she spends doing work and how much time she can have doing things that she really enjoys doing. Um, and we have three others in that model. But the beauty is, is that any accountant who comes into our firm has that as an option, and they can see that. It's like, wow, in five to six years, sometime sooner, depending on how much experience they have coming in, I could have that? I'm like, Yeah. Yeah, you can. I love it. It's like a reverse engineered. So how do you split the costs? Well, so we, we don't, we take on all the costs, which is why we take the percentage that we take. Yeah. Okay. So, so basically all the staff one, blah, 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 they're all under your insight. And then you're these people who are licensed. Okay. Yeah. So we provide 20 hours of accounting support a week to the licensees that's built into their percentage that they that we take anything above that they pay for the cost of it so i have three of the four who pay 
you know, anywhere from a thousand to two thousand dollars a month in their expenses for their business covering like the labor that I have. They're basically just reimbursing me. I don't I don't mark it up on them. And then you pay for all the software, all the insurance, everything like that for them. And you're just you're um, basically doing a uh, it's like a brokerage model. Like if you work at a Wells yeah, Fargo kind of. or so I have insurance that covers their work, but they also need to get their own E&O insurance on their own level. But at their level, it's pretty inexpensive. It's like less than two grand a year. That's interesting. Sounds that like, sounds... and it sounds like you're creating more work because uh, it sounds like you're going to have a bunch of extra partnerships to do. Well, they probably do their own taxes. <laughs> they do their own taxes, yeah. Yeah. And so so, you're, so your percentage, is it the firm's the percentage owner or you're, you yourself are a percentage Yeah, the firm owner? is the owner. And so in basically the they all roll up under you. That's right. And who does all the accounting to make sure that their hours and all that stuff is right? We don't track the licensee's hours. Um, but the, for the extra things, like they get 20 hours of staff time, but if it's more, they have to pay. Yeah, so we, in our time tracking system, which was T-Sheets and Intuit bought it, I don't know what they call it now, they track the client they're working on and the professional. So I, it's just an easy report for me to pull. It's just tagged a certain yeah, way. So you can just run one mm -hmm. report on, on how many hours they worked on that. Yeah. It sounds very, very, very similar to Paget. Um, Paget's a franchise, and they're experiencing some growing pains now for offices that are over a certain amount. It sounds like you've at least got that figured out. You just adjusted the 450 mark to where that phases into it. Is it a discount or is it an increase in what they keep? How do I mean? You, I think it's a reversal of how they're tracking. Like basically, how an office grows big enough, you get a discount on your royalty versus an increase in your revenue share, right? Yeah, probably the same concept, just taken from a different angle. So, like, sure, I figured the reason I keep it at ninety percent that the max they can make is there's always ten percent cost. I mean, I could probably argue and look if I really wanted to get into detail, I might be losing money a little bit on the other. But I also know from a standpoint of billings, uh, the way our model is set up, uh, most people, you know, five hundred to six hundred and fifty thousand is likely the range that most licensees are going to end up at, anyways, because they only have so much capacity, as well. But yeah, that that was the idea. I want them to be motivated, so that at some point they're like, I'm basically keeping everything. I mean, if you look at the industry well, average, you don't want them to just go out on their own. At, at a certain point, they, exactly. they get to the where, what do I need to pay them anything? Mm -hmm. like, like, what why am I getting I just... from Insight? Like, if they're maxed yeah. out at 90, we are making about 125 grand making. I should, our revenue split is 125 Revenue grand. wise. Mm -hmm. Revenue, right. <laughs> All of our audience understands revenue is not the same as profit, which is always Hopefully. the case. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> but yeah, so I want to be it where it's like, yes. I want you to see that there's a markup. You could technically go out on your own and probably have an operation that's less than 125 grand. Yeah, that's absolutely true. But what you're adding is the headache of being the owner, having to know all the backend stuff that we do, having to know when is it appropriate to update. Like for example, if we move to Intuit Tax online, you know, they wouldn't have spent the time to do that. So we continue to add efficiencies and make their life easier. And so they're paying the markup because they know that they don't want that headache. And most of them suck at it, uh, to be honest. I mean, we you probably have some audience owners listening right now that are like, yeah, I really love the tax work. And now that I'm in the business, I realize yeah. if I, I admit managing to- people. Exactly. I hate, like most of it is yeah, you, managing you've created, people. You've created, you've done the brokerage model. It's very smart. Like. Just so there's, let there's people other... be under the brokerage. You do all the back end stuff and provide the support. So there's no standard. The yeah, there's no standard in, in our industry. And I, I feel like there will be eventually. But there's you've got a franchise model with Paget. There's not too many others that do that. You've got Dark Horse CPAs, which does something similar. I don't even know exactly what they do. You've got Breakaway Bookkeeping that does it on the bookkeeping side. High Rock, I think, started something they call Nucleus. So it's, you know, there's a lot of different offerings out there for CPAs that don't want to run a, it's almost like people that don't want to be an entrepreneur, don't really want 
everything that has to do with owning a business. But they want the benefit of being the business owner. Yes. Yes. So are you now targeting, is your is your goal to grow that? Like find the one-off firm owner and I kind would of incorporate love them. to find solopreneurs who are like, I love what I do. I hate the business side of it. We can make their life so much easier. So we actually finally got a course approved by NASBA to be CE. Uh, and so we're going to start. In fact, it's running right now. It's a DIY thing. The idea is hopefully we get enough people through that that we can start communicating with them. There's a better model out there. You're not branded to a Well, it's the micro thing. office. You're, you're, you're basically you're running yourself under an umbrella, like a clearinghouse. Yeah. Yes. John's uh, got a, micro, a bunch of micro offices. It's really smart. I wish I would have thought of that. Got I it. can't patent it. I, you know, we looked into that apparently. <laughs> can't patent it. It's a trade seeker, right? Like it's, it's like Coca-Cola, right? They can't patent the formula, but they can keep it in a trade secret format where, you know, uh, no one knows exactly how to make it themselves. Uh, well, it's, there's a lot of inter intermingling of, uh, well, this is like, it's like how Canopy tried to come in. And once they got a little too deep, you were just like, all right, let's, let's cut, cut this off here. Listen, you know, it, Canopy, you could have given Canopy all the secrets. Ackerman's they trying to get all still, the secrets right here. They would have still blown $300 million. It's <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> Ackerman's really trying to get deep in here, and I think you're, no, you're sharing a lot. No, I mean, I think what you're about, doing is yeah. is really cool. I, I, I'm I'm interested to know what are some of the things that have that have not gone well with this. Well, I can tell you the first licensee that I had, which based on our separation agreement, I can't even tell you his name for another... Uh, so many years. Uh, <laughs> well, let's put it on the we'll calendar. Get you back, yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll, we'll come back. For that. Uh, we agreed to not disparage each other in our settlement agreement. Uh, when I first made the agreement, I was coming from a another firm who I felt like took complete advantage of me, and I wanted to make sure that I was never going to be that greedy owner who just sucks the life out of people. So, unfortunately, as a business owner, I made a contract that was very favorable to them and had very limited protections for me. Uh, and so we've since reversed that where it's a fair contract, but I have protections in there that aren't going to put me out of business if I need to get rid of a licensee because the way they're representing the Insight Tax brand is not appropriate. Um, and so we have things like that now in the contract. The initial payment agreement, I also was very, even more generous than I am with the current model. Uh, and so I had to go, and at the time we had three licensees, and I basically had to lay out for them, hey guys, I did a five-year forecast three different ways, and while the numbers are slightly different, the outcome's the same. The company is going to be a lot bigger, but my personal take-home is going to be the exact same as it five years from now than it is now, based on the percentage of revenue that you guys get. So I, I gave them the option. I said, you... Like, honestly, it's just not worth it to me to put in the amount of work that's going to happen over the next five years for nothing. And so I'm giving you the option. You can buy me out and you guys can run the firm and like, I'll go on my merry way. Or I need to re I need to restructure your payment agreement, which for all of them was a equivalent of a $40,000 annual cut. And they all agreed to the cut. So you sidestepped the partnership. Yeah. sidestepped it by by giving well, them all I these contracts. I wouldn't say you sidestepped it. You've, well, that's what they you gave them the option. You were like, well, you guys can buy me out. You've shifted it. You you've sidestepping the model <laughs> in a different way so they're more in control of of their piece, but you're in control kind of of the overall Yeah, processes. and they're in complete you're the control. CEO, you're the business yeah. owner. You know, you you still are running But it's and allowing them to run their firm the way running they want. how they want to run it. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's because everyone they likes to do stuff slightly differently. They can. They like, and they know that when they do that, they just let their admin who's assigned to them know. Our team knows. And so they want to take a month off. We will cover the client communication for them while they're out. So the client doesn't necessarily feel like a hit where it's like, I don't know if you guys ever pick up clients this way. Uh, we get a few where it's, Hey, yeah, the reason I'm switching is because I can't get a hold of my accountant. I just, oh, that happens all the they time. disappear for months. Uh, you know, we, we will get complaints. We've trained our clients almost too good where if they don't hear from us and for a week, I'm getting emails like, hey, just, I, I emailed this person like 
a week ago, I haven't heard anything back. Where, yeah, you know, okay. other people are like, yeah, I haven't heard from him from two months. It's fine. They'll, I know he'll get back to me. <laughs> yeah. Some people are like that. They've, they've uh, accepted that. So this is, they, they have the balance of freedom and money. And it's the balance that they're okay with, that mm-hmm. they're, they find acceptable. Because they're going to give up a lot of their freedoms if they have to manage and run every other part of their professional life. Yeah. And you're handling and managing a part of their professional life for a percentage, for a fee. That's and, right. And a fee that they have seen value in and that they they value enough to commit to it. And I don't know if it's like a term sheet that they sign or a certain amount of time or if it's open-ended. I'm curious um, about that part of it, too. But that's a, the, that's you know, a- whatever they find is the right amount of money that they feel like they should be making at this stage in their career, they're in control of making more, but the freedom part and the time that you're, you're not in control of that to a certain degree, you end up, it ends up eating more of your time. If you want to make more and you want to scale up and grow a smaller firm, this is dope. I love it. So John, uh, where can uh, listeners find you if they think they like this model and they want to hear more? Um, Maybe they're a solopreneur that wants to yeah. join Insight. I mean, I would just have my licensees tell people, like, because if I'm saying it, people are like, well, I mean, it's your business. But I'm telling you, my licensees have such a happier life than when they were working at other firms. Okay. If someone wants to know more information, I'll just have them email me directly, john, J-O-H-N, at insighttax.com. And re- make sure you spell it right. I-N-C-I-T-E. We'll, we'll put it in the show notes. And what about if we want to follow you on social media? Yeah, at Insight Tax is kind of all of our stuff. Cool. So, all right, John, cool. this has been amazing. This was amazing. You're doing Appreciate amazing you work. coming on. Yeah. Ackerman thought this was an amazing conversation. I enjoyed it as well. <laughs> awesome. All right, John. Okay. Thanks. See you. Class is in session, it's time for shopperations at accounting. Hi, class is in session, it's time for shopperations at accounting. Hi, class is in session, it's time for shopperations at accounting. Hi, class is in session, it's time for shopperations at accounting. Hi, kids, do you like operations? It's Wednesday, accounting high, talking systems and processes, talking shop about operational balances, accounting, workbench to workflow challenges, hybrid teams for Pete's sake, I'm trying to manage through screens, but I can't figure out what Zoom windows my next meeting, and Dr. K says, Acuity uses EOS Uh Uh-huh, entrepreneurial operating system, well since 2012 my firm's been in the cloud, join us as we go deep, I'll try not to run it to the ground we're sharing profit and loss and managing back office, the tax staff just quit tried to hire on LinkedIn, no luck and scope creep team count cast automate tax, compliance transactions ID and bottlenecks. Come on, ops. Scotty, wait a minute. It's my firm, dog. I know, and I said you could run it however you want. Hi, class is in session. It's time for shopperations at accounting. Hi, class is in session. It's time for shopperations at accounting. Hi, class is in session. It's time for shopperations at accounting. Hi, class is in session. It's time for shopperations at accounting. Hi. Hi.